Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode was recorded remotely. Welcome to The Ordinary Black Professionals. I'm Nicole. And I'm Stefan. And this week we have Temi on the line with us talking to us and she'll be telling us all about her her career journey. So Temi is a graduate software developer on a tech grad scheme and she's also the creator of Simplex Code. And this is a really great platform if anyone hasn't looked at it yet, but it's essentially an educational tech platform and it provides kind of free, accessible, really bite-sized resources for anyone who's interested in all things technology. And Temi is also a YouTuber who creates um, early careers related content in the tech world. So hi, Temi, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Temi. Hi. Hi. Thank you both for having me. I'm really excited to be here today talking with you both. We're excited to have you as well on our podcast. Dive right in. So Temi, we know that you're a software developer, um, but where did it all begin? How did your career journey start? Take us back to uni and kind of walk us through to how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so um, for my undergrad, I did a degree in geology and physics. So Mm. I majored in geology and minored in physics. And it was actually in my second year that I was introduced to a coding programming language called Python for the first time. Um, And at that point, I actually, I didn't really, I found coding quite hard. So I found um, I wasn't really interested in the tech industry at that point. I didn't think it was for me. Mm-hmm. And then a few a few years later, I did a master's degree in geophysics because I thought I wanted to go down the route of oil and gas at the time. Um, so during my master's, I was introduced to another programming language and I started to understand it a little bit better at this point and the things that we were actually doing with coding I found interesting so that that kind of sparked my interest in tech um what was that second programming language yeah so it was MATLAB so it's basically it's used for like data visualization so um it just means that you can kind of display data like in graphs or in like 2D or 3D models so I just found it more interesting because it wasn't just like you're writing a code to do something. You are writing code, but actually seeing the data itself. So, yeah. right, it was almost bringing it more to life, mm. essentially, yeah, exactly. than Python. Okay, exactly. So, yeah, I think from there, I just started to do a bit more research into tech, 
um, into the tech industry and then came across some YouTubers and bloggers as well. Okay. What kind of YouTubers? Do you know, do you remember who they were? Yeah, so one of them was, I think her name is Sene Goddess on YouTube. So she's a software engineer based in the US. Oh. Um, so she was kind of the first person I saw, the first black woman I saw actually, um, like programming and documenting her career on YouTube. And from there, I was kind of like, I was I was quite amazed. I didn't think there was, um, I guess, like a community of like, women like black women um in tech kind of in the software mm. engineering space mm. so that that really interested me when I when I found her YouTube channel okay because you said that you wanted before like when you was doing your master's that you wanted to get into oil and gas or the yeah. oil and gas industry what what did, did you know specifically what you wanted to get into in that industry I'm trying to understand how much of a detour was it to go from oil and gas to now working in tech yeah well I think Within, I didn't know, I guess what I wanted to do was geophysics within the oil and gas industry. So right. yeah, but that was mainly because my dad's an engineer. So I guess that's where I was influenced um, from. It wasn't really that, that that was my passion. It was more of that's pretty much what I knew. Yeah, so that's, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of why I was going down that path. Okay, okay. And that kind of leads me on to your next question since you mentioned your dad. So I know before you said that, you know, you've got a Nigerian background and kind of your parents wanted you to go into the quote unquote traditional jobs like medicine, law, engineering. How, what was their reaction like when you was exploring moving into the tech industry? Were they quite surprised that that was something you were interested in? Or did you kind of have to persuade them that this was a good career route to go into? Yeah, well, I think I think they were actually quite supportive from the beginning because it's STEM. So even though it, it, it's not like traditionally like law or medicine or engineering, I think they were still okay with it because they knew it was a career where I would still make money. Yeah. So at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why yeah. we're all working. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're here. Exactly. Exactly. So I think at the end of the day what I found anyway from Nigerian parents is not only do they want you to be in like the traditional careers like what's important to them is that that you make money as their child and because they knew that as someone working in tech or coding or, or whatever the case might be that you can make money from it they weren't um they were still supportive really right okay yeah so the yeah. fact that it's, it's a stable as you said an industry that you can make money that was fine yeah i'm getting a theme of being influenced by different uh scenarios different people which is quite good because i think it's maybe quite a theme of uh today's discussion about seeing people doing what you do and being influenced by it and and what that lady on youtube showed you sparked something in you Definitely. yeah so once you made the decision that tech was for you how did you go about kind of getting into the job that you're in now yeah, so once I knew that tech was what I wanted to do, I kind of, I was looking at jobs that were quite broad, but were geared towards graduates, obviously. So I kind of just stumbled upon graduate schemes. I think I was looking on um, one of the grads websites where they kind of advertise jobs. Yeah, like a milk round or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, through that, I just kind of discovered graduate schemes. So I just started applying for a lot of them. And I think that's what was best for me because even though now I am a software developer, I wasn't sure at the time if what I wanted, what I wanted to do was um, like programming as a career. So mm. I think I really just got 
onto a tech grad scheme because I wanted to explore my options within the tech industry. Right. Okay. And the one that you're on now, it's a rotational program. So you get to try out different things and explore different parts of the business. Yeah. So I started off in when I first joined around September 2019, I think I Mm. started off in a kind of mobile networks team where where I was for around 10 months. And then from there, I moved into a software engineering team, which is where I am now. So yeah, that is one good thing. You get to kind of explore and work in different areas of the business and find out what it is that you do and don't like. Right. Okay. That's good. That's good. Because you don't really know what you want to do, especially in IT. Like I did a computer science degree, but after the end of it, at the end of it, you don't know what the hell you want to do. Yeah. But I feel like when you're straight out of uni... Uh, you, yeah, you, you don't even know uni, what you, you want to do anyway. Yeah. Even now, I, do, I don't even think I know what I want to do in my career. <laughs> <laughs> Almost six years in and I'm still trying to work it out. Yeah, yeah. Even now, I mean, at any point you could switch up yeah. you know, your career. Yeah. You could be like 35 and be like, nah, I'm doing something new now. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people do that. So it's good to have a little taste of different things and just to know that they're there as well. Yeah. Definitely. It's funny to say that, actually, because someone in my, well, a couple of people in my company, they used to be teachers and they were working as teachers up until kind of late 20s, early 30s, and now have decided to switch into consulting. So they're like, a, they're a consultant on the grad scheme in their early 30s, late 20s, oh. because they've done that exactly what you said had that career yeah. switch yeah i've seen some people like that as well yeah which is not late, which grad... is not later on in life but it's later I mean, in your 20s <laughs> you yeah. could be a grad at any time <laughs> i agree <laughs> really yeah so i have to ask how many black people were there <laughs> that's uh as dni lead i'm thinking how diverse was this grad scheme yeah it, it really it really isn't that diverse especially in because within the business i'm in the I come under the technology unit. So I think in total, in terms of how many grads, maybe about 200 odd. And of that, there, there are around maybe 80 technology graduates. So right. within those 80, I think there's a handful of us who are black. It's really, really small. Most of the black grads are within like HR or um, global. So other um, units of the business. So in my office where I work, I'm the only black graduate. And I definitely feel like that's... Um, being that the only one definitely did have an effect on me at the mm. beginning. I think I'm used to it now just because I think it is what it is. But in the beginning, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a shock, I think. Do you want to talk on that a bit? How did you find it? Yeah, I think, I think it was very, like I said, it was very isolating from the beginning. And mm. personally, I've, um, so I grew up in the Middle East. Um, I spent, my early childhood in Scotland and then I grew up in the Middle East and then came to the UK when I was 16. So right. I've, I'm used to being around people of different cultures anyway, that's not an issue. But I think just being around, just being around, I guess just being the only black person again was yeah. kind of, was kind of a big thing because at uni I had, there was like loads of people from loads of different backgrounds and I had like, you know, my black friends and my friends from different cultures, but not having, any black friends and not having any black grads that I can relate to or speak to was a lot I think Mm. and I think that definitely affected the way that I integrated within like the grads themselves and within the company as well it it really um yeah I think it did have an effect on me in the beginning but like I said now I think I'm I'm more used to it but I think it was something that I had to adjust to at the beginning of my career yeah I totally 
understand that feeling. Mm. I am um, the first company I was at consulting wise was very big and it was super diverse and I moved over to where I am now much smaller company and it was a shock it was a big adjustment because I was one of at the time three black people out of a company about 100 um and then one one left and then it was just one of two (laughs) (laughs) so even less um it's a little bit more diverse now, but it's it's not where it kind of needs to be. And it, it is a massive adjustment because the, the terms of reference is just so different. And you don't sometimes it's hard to kind of find a connection with someone who doesn't yeah. have the same lived experience as you. Um, yeah, it can just be very difficult. I don't think enough people speak about how difficult it is starting a new job in an all white space, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Especially in a career, especially in an industry like technology, where not only is it not diverse kind of culturally and ethnically, but also in terms of gender or sex, it's also not very um, mm. diverse. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have the same kind of experience as well. As a graduate, when I came in, um, I started like 2000, when I first started, it was like 2011. And there were, I, w- I think I was the only maybe one or two in the grad scheme. But after I left, after we broke away from the grad scheme and went to our like separate projects, there were times where I didn't see any black person at all for months. And also I was on, I was doing wow. consulting. So I was on projects that were out of London in, in hotels in different places. So I was very isolated. And then also I started out as a grad. So I didn't really know what I was doing. And because I don't have the same, as you said, shared experience or lived experience to somebody else as the others, the way I was struggling didn't match with the way they were struggling. Yeah, the struggle is different. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I was struggling with understanding, as you say, their terms of reference, the communication, um, understanding concepts they were trying to explain to me. Uh, and maybe part of it is me, but also I think part of it was um it's my first experience as like a graduate or or an intern or something and uh, I'm not used to it yeah and I don't know how to translate what they're saying back to me yet so I really struggled in the early parts until I've learned how to translate how they were explaining things it sounds weird because we're all speaking English but but it's but this is a thing I think so many times companies and people really don't understand that yes you'll speak the same language and yes you'll live in the same country Mm. but your cultural backgrounds um your sexuality all of that stuff all that diversity your your, your social economic background it, it influences the way you move the way you present yourself the way that you will communicate to individuals the way that you will self promote yourself and so therefore, when you are moving into different spaces that are predominantly white, where everyone's kind of had the same sort of lived mm. experience, um, you're the alien, you're, you're the outsider coming in and you have to try to struggle to navigate your way up. And I think because of those factors and because people don't truly take them into consideration, we see certain groups, whether it's black, whether it's people from different socioeconomic classes, not moving up um, 
the seniority level because they get left behind because of those reasons because people don't truly take it into Mm. consideration when they are you know helping these young people helping these people come up the ranks yeah I was just going to add to that actually what you were saying just because um I remember kind of telling my parents at some point I think I was going to be on like a coffee chat a zoom chat with some people in my team um they were all like older white men in their like mid 40s and I remember telling my parents like how nervous I was because I'd be the only the only woman first of all and then the only black person on the call as well so I remember telling them how nervous I felt just because I wasn't sure what I could speak about and what I could Mm. contribute to the conversation because it wasn't like they were talking about work it was just a casual chat and I remember saying how nervous I was and they were saying to me my parents said to me well you know you grew up in the UK you're from the UK you should be able to relate and chat to them and they and they also went on to say like you know we're from Nigeria even though we have like a different cultural background we can still like make conversation and chat so you should be able to too um but yeah I just wanted to just agree with what you both have been saying in terms of just because you're from the same country you speak the same language it doesn't mean then that you don't have different lived experiences within that and then therefore yeah. there's certain things that you can't relate to so yeah yeah I totally agree yeah. and it's, it's amazing I always find that when people do have those similar experiences it bonds you in a way that it doesn't like it bonds them in a way that it doesn't bond you if I just give an example people in my company now it's very um it's predominantly white um but it's more importantly predominantly middle class a lot of people have gone to private and boarding schools and I never realized just how isolating that could be I I just went to a normal state school but because everyone there has a certain has come from a certain background they've all have done certain things and one of those certain things is skiing and everyone in the company skis and I remember walking in and they're like oh yeah ski season when I when I took a year abroad like a, a gap year from uni I did a ski season in blah 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 place in Spain in um France or they would say oh yeah I'm going skiing with my family and my my cousins are coming along or I'm skiing with my kids and all this other stuff and I was just sat there thinking skiing like my parents and this is a massive stereotype but like black people don't tend to ski we don't go to places that are cold oh cold yeah <laughs> so like when I went to my parents they were like well you know it wasn't even a money factor it was just a fact of I don't want to go somewhere that's cold like I want to go somewhere else but because so many of them can talk about skiing it, it immediately bonds you to that person so when it comes down to like passing on knowledge or seeing like seeing myself in you they already have that instant connection because you ski or because you went to the same private school because you know you do wine and cheese nights you do the typical middle class activities and so Uh therefore it's easier to kind of be like well I'll put you under my wing and sponsor you and coach you and and, and help you up through the ranks and that that makes such a difference and I just really think that a lot of companies you know need to take that into consideration um and i've seen in kind of the dni space a lot more of that's been being spoken about because it, it does have an impact um mm. on things but as you mentioned that example temi of you going to lunch with your <laughs> some colleagues it just brought to mind many a times i've <laughs> sat with my own colleagues talking about ski seasons <laughs> and having no <laughs> idea what what's going on and hoping one day that I'll be able to go skiing so I could get into the conversation with them. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give your old self now, knowing the information that you know? Yeah, so I think I would tell myself, um, 
first when I first came into the company I think I would say that I need to make sure that you are kind of upfront with what you want and what you what you want to get out of this role like what you want mm. to get out of your job because I think in the beginning I was quite I took a bit of the back seat just because I guess I wasn't that comfortable with my team I guess I just met everyone I was new I was straight out of uni so I wasn't really um, accustomed to the corporate culture yet so I guess yeah. I, would, I would tell myself to try and just really think about what I want and voice those opinions to my manager at the time um, yeah and I think also probably to try and not let you try and not let the fact that there isn't much in common between yourself and your team get in the way because I think that I think in the beginning just actually I think in general I'm quite a introverted and reserved person so in the beginning when I first joined the team I found it a little bit difficult to integrate with my team and just get comfortable um, and so I would say to my I guess my past self to try and not be so in your head all the time and try and mm. find some common ground so that you can build relationships I think eventually whilst eventually at the end of my time in the team I did build those relationships but I think it took a little bit longer than it should have if that makes sense yeah 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 with the first piece of advice around kind of being quite open about what you want like what were the challenges in do, do you think that was based on being quite like new in the industry like just kind of first jobs out of uni trying to figure out your feet and find out where the lay of the land essentially um do you think that had a big impact in you being able to kind of say say to people this is what you want to achieve or these are what your objectives are yeah I do I think because I was um yeah because I was straight out of uni I think I wasn't sure how to kind of voice those opinions I didn't mm. have anyone who was even the year above me who could tell me you know this is kind of how you go about things if this is how you feel this is what you should tell your manager I didn't really have anyone telling me what the best way to go about things were yeah. so I was kind of just trying to figure it out for myself so yeah yeah I totally relate to that um 100,000% because it was the same case with me when I was in the um my first consulting company I just felt like I was kind of like flapping my feet like had no clear direction didn't know how to really ask for what I want um but isn't that part of you don't you don't really know what you want you know what some no no because no. even six months in let's say I still struggle to kind of say this is clearly what I wanted to do and really fight for that so if I ask for it for example oh I now want to not work in financial services I want to work in telecommunications let's say and someone told me no you've got more FS experience I'd be like oh okay sure but that fighting for it and really like advocating for myself and that took a long time to feel confident to do and know how to do it mm. but I felt that other people who I joined the grad scheme with they picked that up really quickly they they realized that to be able to really succeed in the corporate world so much of it is based on how well you can advocate for yourself yeah and I I think it just took me way too long to realize that yeah I, I don't know for me it was like 
at first I didn't know exactly, I knew I wanted to do IT, but I didn't know exactly what part of it. And uh, I wasn't in a position where we did rotation like in Tammy's graduate scheme. So if somebody said to me, do this, I would have gone it. I would have gone and done it because but what if how it do wasn't, I know? But what if it wasn't challenging? How do like, I know? No, but you, but you'll be like, oh, this feels really boring. After I've already got stuck doing it. Yeah, fair. But I don't know. I know I was. I ended up in that position as well because I, somebody said to me, "Go over here. There's a project over here for you and a position for you." So I went there, and it was the worst thing ever. Yeah. But I. But it taught me a lot of stuff um, about myself. One and two about like how out of depth I was and how I couldn't understand what they were doing, saying um how to get ideas across or how to absorb what they were saying and like complete work there was a lot of things i had to learn but i wouldn't have known what it was going to be like until i experienced it so in some ways yes as a graduate you want to come in and be like oh somebody tell me like what's the right thing to do but there are some things that you still have to experience i agree but i feel like some people I'm not saying Get you have ahead. to experience negative things, but no, no, no. I think you do. I think I, I tell you what, being on rubbish projects and having rubbish managers to a certain extent has probably taught me more about what a good manager is than a, yeah. you know, than a, than a actually having a good manager. Cause you can see what the, mm. what can be improved. But I think when I joined, when I first joined, um, the, that consulting company I said I want to get promoted in the first year I was like I, that's what I want to do I want to get promoted in the first year mm. and my kind of um, coach personal development person said to me don't worry about that just think about getting skills you know relax yourself just 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 understand the lay of the land and I was kind of like yeah you're right it's probably not that important you know just just kind of let it go but everyone else in my grad scheme was focused so hard on getting promoted in the first year mm. I think part of that is culture of that company right because promotion is just everything to everybody um there is some truth to what she said though right get some skills you're young your your grad learn some stuff no I think there's still some stuff to take. I think it's a mixture of needing to let, know the lay of the land, but also still be like hungry and ambitious. Oh yeah. I don't know. What, what do you think, Temi? No, I think you know what. I think you're right. I think it's the hungry and ambitious part that she was trying to uh, lead you away from, because the hungry and ambitious part was you driving towards the promotion, but also she was right in like learn some of your trade learn some skills yeah yeah what do you think Tammy? yeah so I, I think I think I agree I think when like in my in my case I think when I first joined the company I'm at now I didn't really know what it was I wanted to do just because mm-hmm. I was so I was new to the industry so it was my intention to just find out what it was I wanted to do by being in different teams and by working on different projects. But once I realized what I wanted to do was software engineering, then I started to kind of think about, okay, within software engineering, what skills do I want? And then from there, I would 
purposely go out of my way to speak to my manager about the kind of projects I wanted to work on. So I definitely think in the beginning, especially early on in your career, that it's good to sometimes work on a bit of everything and find out what it is you do and don't like. But I think once you, you have an idea of what it is you want to do, then it's up to you and yourself only to then make it happen and to propel your career forwards. Because like, like you were saying, Nicole, I think even if that lady was saying it because she thought it was in your best interest, I think also sometimes you know what is best for you. Mm. So it's, it, it is good to listen to other people, but also just go ahead and do whatever you think is going to benefit you the most. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I agree with that. So tell me, what do you, where do you see yourself going um, kind of in the tech industry? Like where's the ideal, like what's your ideal role if you could do anything? I think now um, I quite like what I'm doing. So I, I quite like software development. So okay. that's the kind of field I see myself in in the future, although I definitely think I would like to tap into the cloud and maybe look at cloud engineering. But okay. I think this sector is, yeah, I think the sector is kind of where I want to be. Okay, so you mentioned cloud engineering. What exactly about cloud engineering? What intrigues you about that area? I think because it's quite, a, I wouldn't say it's a new thing, but it's something I'm becoming more aware of. And I think more people within the tech space are speaking about. So mm-hmm. AWS, Azure, um, GCP, I think, the way that technology is going, I think a lot more engineers in the future will have some sort of cloud computing skills. So I definitely think now is the time for me to get into it and find out more about it. So I think I think my first stage would be to look at what AWS is and work on maybe getting a certification and then just really go from there. But I think it's more of just an interesting and it's where I kind of see the industry going at some point so I think it's a good idea to just learn more about it really yeah yeah I mean a lot of people were saying that's where the future is and I mean they've been saying it for the last couple years anyway so it does seem to be in the future those companies have grown massively in like how many people are using cloud computing now and it seems to be the really hot skill on the market I know you do some like videos we mentioned you're a youtuber at the start you do some videos like talking about those jobs that are available with um, those kind of skills. So it's uh, definitely a money maker. And this is a bit of a loaded yeah. question. So why do you think there's not that many black females kind of being software developers in this industry? Hmm. That is a good question, I think. Um... I think it's probably, I think it probably goes back to obviously like school and um, higher education. Mm. I think, I think in some instances, I think black women and black uh, men as well are kind of seen as not being able to perform as highly in terms of in academics. So I think that sometimes we're discouraged from following certain career paths. I think yeah. it's unless unless we have, we come from a background where our parents are very invested in, you know, our futures and our ed- education and they kind of push like STEM. I think mm. otherwise, I definitely think in schools, it's a case of those, those careers aren't really something that teachers and other members of staff think we're capable of. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think as well, our parents 
like regardless of what jobs they're in they don't know all and every like all and every jobs and all and every career routes they only know kind of what they do and what their immediate circle around them do as well so Mm. they can't even say oh well maybe this is a good career route for you because they just may not be aware of it you know if we had someone who wanted to get into film we we wouldn't have the foggiest idea like if our child wants to get into film we wouldn't have the foggiest idea what kind of like what goes on in the film industry because we don't we don't mix in those circles so it's like very much kind of based to what you're exposed to as well yeah and I think as well uh, very similar to what you're saying like people exposed to certain things and as you're growing up some people tell you you could be this you could be that and they often tell you I mean when I was growing up people didn't really say you could be a a programmer for example Um, and that's turned into a, a job that I think maybe later generations may grow up hearing about that a lot more mm, yeah. but I don't know maybe our generation is not so much because in the early 90s it's like it's not if not everybody even had a computer yeah that's you know? true yeah. but it's also kind of what you said Temi that it's it's the, the kind of sometimes maybe your parents your circle not knowing all the opportunities in tech that are out there and then also um the school system putting essentially black kids in boxes a lot of the time mm, as to yeah. what you can and can't do um I call it dulling your shine and kind of limiting, you know, putting those limitations in place. Mm. And I think it's what you said yeah. earlier as well, Timmy, like you got it, like one of the reasons you got interested in tech is because you saw that American black female YouTuber who works in that in technology industry. So you saw someone that you could identify with and it's yeah. having, you know, it's for other young girls to see that same thing as well. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think especially on YouTube, there's a lot more um, black women who are American, um, kind of documenting their journey within tech. But I don't think there's as many black British women doing it. So mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why I think if you want to be visible with kind of the career you're doing, I think it's a good idea. Just because, like you said, and like I said earlier, I think seeing someone in a particular role really kind of makes you think like oh I didn't consider that before but it actually seems quite interesting I don't think people realize how much they're actually influenced by what it is they see whether Mm. that's content on tv on advertisements on social media like you are influenced and having someone that's already taken the first step before you really encourages you to then kind of follow in the same kind of footsteps like if I hadn't seen some black British women who were documenting their coding journeys on YouTube and on Instagram I probably wouldn't have taken that step to do it myself if that makes sense yeah Yeah. that makes sense Mm. so is that kind of one of the reasons why you wanted to start your YouTube channel and your Instagram page to kind of be that black British woman for other kind of young people out there yeah tell us about that yeah so I think I think the main reason I actually started is because I was teaching myself how to code and on Twitter, I came across a hundred days of code that challenge. And from there, I just found like a big community of other software developers on Twitter. And then from there, I found some on Instagram. So what I was actually doing was taking part in this challenge to kind of get better at programming. And whilst doing that, I was just documenting my journey and Yeah, and then I guess through sharing some of my resources, like sharing my notes that I was making, I found that other people found them useful. 
or I had people messaging me saying that I've encouraged them to pick up coding or to look into a career in the tech industry. So I, I started it for, I guess, my own reasons just to get better at programming. But along the way, I realized that it was the content I was creating was benefiting other people too. And what is the 100 days of code? It's, it's basically just, um, yeah, I guess it's just a challenge where you code for 100 days. You try and do maybe like 30 minutes to an hour every day. It's okay. basically a challenge to try and um, to try and help you learn how to code. Okay, so anyone can join. You could be a yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. You just start off basic. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to tell us about your YouTube channel? And also, you said you are the creator of this new platform, Simplex Code. Yeah. Yeah. So I started the YouTube off of the Instagram account, and. I basically started it because I realized that I was getting similar questions over and over again about from other people wanting to figure out how they can learn to code or how they can get started in tech or people who were still at uni who wanted to get onto a graduate scheme as well. So I just thought it would be more useful to have information in one place than just to keep answering the same questions again. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I started the YouTube. And I guess from there, I just found it was a good place to go into more detail about some of the content I was making on Instagram. And um, I guess in terms of Simplex Code and the platform, that came off my my original Instagram account, which was temilola.dev. I basically rebranded because I didn't want my kind of account to be I felt like it was coming off as more of a tech influencer account, which I didn't really like. I wanted it to be more of a educational platform where people can use resources and they they can use my resources. I, I basically wanted it to be a place where people can come and learn whatever it is they want to learn about tech. Right, okay. Right. So do you find it easy kind of breaking down the complexity of like some of these concepts into kind of bite-sized digestible nuggets for people to consume. P- people who may be at uni and, you know, this is their first kind of interaction with with some of these concepts. Is that transition, like how do you find kind of, yeah, turning that content into something that's quite complex into something quite simple? Yeah, I do. It, I do find it a little bit tricky just because I don't think there's that much information on the internet about programming or software engineering or about different roles in tech that are just explained in a way that's simple and easy for everyone else to understand, everyone Mm. else who's not within the industry. So I do find myself spending a few hours and spending some time getting resources from completely different sites or books and then putting it all together and and just kind of breaking it down into a way that's easy for everyone to understand. Yeah, I agree. I've I've tried several times to understand what DevOps is and <laughs> so, <laughs> failed every time. <laughs> I've even sent you a video about it. I know, but it just doesn't really stick. <laughs> <laughs> and because I don't work in that world, so... Yeah, it, it feels a little bit more tricky for me. So I'm a newbie coming into it. Uh, uh, what's it like building so many followers on Instagram so quickly? 
Um, I wouldn't say that there's any, I wouldn't say it's changed anything in particular. I think, I think the one thing that's changed is probably the amount of questions that I get on a day. I think initially I didn't have that many people asking me um, like questions and career, career related questions. But I think now that the platform has grown a lot more, there's obviously a lot more people who consume my content. So there's a lot of people still asking certain questions, asking similar types of questions. So I think it's, I think I found that the more I created content that I find useful and content around like different careers or breaking things down, the more people started to find my page and find it useful. Mm. So I don't think it's really changed that much apart from, I guess, the audience and the amount of people who want to know more about the industry. Right. Uh, what's the kind of like feedback you get from people? Do you get a lot of people saying, I read your content, I went away, and now I'm uh, Temi 2.0? Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think something that stands out to me is um, there were a few Black girls, actually, who um, I think watched my video about graduate um, technology graduate schemes and they found it useful and actually got themselves grad jobs which I found yeah which I found really really nice Um, so it is really nice to get that feedback but most of the feedback I get is from young black women saying that either that I've encouraged them to get back into programming or or coding or that I've encouraged them to to just consider it as a career option altogether which is yeah which is great because that's kind of a big reason as to why I continue to make the content that I do. Yeah, yeah, Mm. definitely, definitely. It's kind of like an ongoing circle now. Someone else inspired you and now you're inspiring others and then who knows where those people go and inspire other Black females to now get into that industry as well. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, Mm. never-ending loop. Do you find that people contact you um, just more general questions around what are grad schemes like and how to get into grad schemes or do you find it's it's mainly tech related Mm, I think it's I think it's a mix I think it's definitely more people I think it's definitely more people contacting me about like how do they get their career started in tech so yeah yeah it's more of that and less of people contacting me about grad schemes right but but it's yeah yeah Okay. Okay. And I guess just going back, I've got another question, just going back to kind of black females reaching out to you and kind of sharing their journey, like, well, yeah, sharing their journey around how they've got a new grad scheme or how they're thinking about this as an industry or wanting to start kind of coding again. Does that make you feel like you've got a lot of responsibility to be like to be the, I don't want to say the face, but like to represent um, technology or the black female perspective of working in the tech industry in a certain way do you feel like you have to be quite positive or does that put a lot of pressure onto them the kind of your content um you know being of a certain standard does, does that kind of weigh on you at all yeah I think I think not so much just because there are other there are other black British women doing it too and that's why I mentioned earlier how if I hadn't seen them then I wouldn't have taken the step to put my content out there so I think it is nice knowing that I'm not the the only one kind of documenting my journey it kind of takes the weight off a little bit and I think one thing I really try and do is 
not just share the highs of and the positives of working mm. within the industry but also the negatives as well like I try and be as transparent as possible like if I'm documenting myself learning a new concept within programming I try and always be honest and say and say talk about if I am struggling with something or what I find difficult just so that people don't come in with the idea that oh it's really easy you know they can get to this point really quickly and it's yeah yeah so I try and be as transparent as I can just so that I don't give any false ideas of what it is like working within tech oh yeah yeah we do see that on your Instagram sorry on your Twitter as well like sometimes you mention oh you're working on a project and like been struggling with something for a few days and then you find out like the solution and like oh sometimes it's something that was right under your nose or sometimes it's like something that you could have never controlled anyway but you know it's you're showing the reality of it yeah definitely definitely and I think sometimes people don't do that enough I think Mm. I think there's this perception that oh once you work in tech you're going to be earning lots of money and you know learning to code is easy and that's that's something I thought before I started programming until I realized that this is actually quite difficult and I'm I I do struggle with some parts of it and I think it's only recently that people are becoming a bit more honest and saying that it is it's not going to be unless you have a background maybe in computer science or even maths learning to program or learning to code isn't going to be just one straight path like there are going to be highs and lows Mm. yeah definitely yeah yeah and it's good for me to hear as well that there are black women coming to you uh, using your platform and give feedback back to you that they learned something and they're looking to get jobs in the industry because you know for me as a black man when I go around industry, I go to conferences, I apply for jobs, and it is uh, not a diverse industry at all, especially when you like uh, look into companies that are like tech specialist companies or small smaller businesses and stuff like that. They're all very white. So I don't see anyone who represents me very often, uh, especially over the last couple of years that I've been doing this. and. I definitely don't see black women. Mm. Yeah. You know, that's very rare for me. Mm. Just going back to that point that you mentioned, Tay, about people sharing their highs and lows, I, I do agree that is very, very important. Um, that everyone, I think sometimes when you, from the outside, they're coming in, you look at someone and think, oh, their career journey has been just an up, uphill, 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 like a like steady trajectory mm. going all the way up to 100%. And actually, a lot of the times with careers or things that you're focusing on, there's so many ebbs and flows, it's ups and downs, ups and downs constantly. And I think when the more that we talk about the lows, you know, just as like a people in general, you can support each other and and they offer advice and help um, to kind of overcome those as well. Mm -hmm. And I like that about your platform as well, because... I feel like social media is a lot of people always showing their best. Yeah. Um, which I find a bit annoying sometimes because it, I know that's not the truth and I'm old enough to know that. Yeah. But it's a bit, I just find it a bit like fake, you know? Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I see the tweets that you put out there. Oh yeah, I'm working on this. And I, I remember myself like, you know, struggling. Oh yeah. Just sitting there for days, <laughs> weekends, <laughs> trying to figure something yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely think as well, what I try and do sometimes, if I'm working on something that I think I can document it and 
teach other people about it. I'll sometimes share like what I'm doing at work. So if I've learned a new type of testing technique or whatever it is, I'll share that on my story. And sometimes when I do that, I get people kind of give me feedback and say, thank you for sharing this. I just, I feel like I don't know enough about what software engineers do. Mm. And they say that everyone talks about programming or coding, but I don't actually know what it is that developers do on a day-to-day basis. So I think that's something else that isn't really shown that much. So that's another thing I try and kind of share um, when I post on Twitter or my stories. So yeah. Yeah. A breakdown of what that, like, what do you actually do? Yeah. yeah. What does your day actually look like? Because yeah. you're just throwing away, throwing around terms and like, I can't put, like, put the picture together. Mm. <laughs> that's really good. Uh, what are your long-term goals for this um, Simplex Code platform? Yeah, so I think my my main goal is to really just grow the platform even more and turn it into more of a community where other people who might be starting out or early on in their careers can meet each other and network and kind of benefit from the resources that I'm sharing. I think the main thing that I want to do is just kind of build that sense of an online community. Um, Yeah, so I I think that's the main thing. I think another thing is to continue to share resources that are more general within tech. Mm. So also shed some light on careers such as data science or DevOps or um, whatever else it might be. Um, just because I want it to be a place where I don't only focus on software engineering, but other roles within the industry, just because everyone, it's not everyone that comes into tech that wants to learn how to code. So I think shedding some light on other career paths and other opportunities would be great. I'd also like to hopefully at some point down the line, um, I'd like my platform to be a place where people can also Um, get opportunities, whether that's internships or grad schemes or jobs, I would Mm -hmm. definitely like my platform to be of that kind of resource to people as well at some point in the future. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Sounds like a great, um, great ambitions, great goals to strive for, 100%. Thank you. I've got two final questions to ask you. What is one of the biggest, well, what is one of the... What one piece of advice would you give your younger self, your 18-year-old self, related to your you know, career and, and future future goals? Mm, I guess the biggest piece of advice would probably be to pay attention to what it is that you like and enjoy and follow that. I think it's important to really... I think it's really easy to get distracted by what other people are doing and what your friends are doing, especially when you're quite young. Mm. So I would definitely say that to pay attention to what it is that you want and you want to work on and the spaces that you want to be in and then go with that and just take control of your own future. Otherwise, I think it's, otherwise I think someone else will gladly do it for you. So yeah, I think oh, that Timmy. would be the biggest piece of advice. You're dropping gems, you're dropping <laughs> gems. <laughs> and then what's one of the biggest learnings that you've had in your career so far? It's a good question. Hmm. Probably to speak out and be more vocal. I think, um, especially, 
I guess just how I am naturally, just quite reserved, a bit more um, quiet. I think that me not speaking out sometimes has led to myself sometimes missing out on opportunities mm. or not getting the things I want. So I definitely think that once I started to be more vocal about what, where I wanted my career to go, I think things definitely started to change for me. So that's something I wish I'd done maybe a bit earlier, but that's, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. If you stay quiet about something, then how is anyone supposed to know that either you're struggling with it or that you're unhappy with it? So, yeah. Always speak up, always say how you're feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with that. Could not agree more. Yeah. And where can people find you? Yeah. So people can find me on YouTube. So my name is Temi Olukoko on YouTube. Um, my Twitter is also Temi Olukoko, but you can follow um, my tech platform, which is Simplex Code with an underscore on Twitter. And on Instagram, my handle is Simplex Code. Perfect. So, and we'll be sharing those details on our Instagram page as well. So we'll wrap it up there. And thanks so much, Temi. It was great speaking to you, hearing all about your career journey um, and your kind of what you're doing now kind of outside of work um, on your YouTube channel, Instagram page. So it was really, really great speaking to you. Yeah, and we hope to see your platform grow even more than it already has. So good luck in the future. And uh, yeah, we hope to speak to you again. Thank you. Thank you both. Nicole and Stefan for having me it's been it's been great showing my journey on your podcast thanks bye 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 if you have any questions or dilemmas email us on ordinaryblackprofessionals at gmail.com or we can be found on instagram and twitter at ordinaryblackprofessionals also don't forget to follow us subscribe and leave a rating and comment Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.